Welcome to Commando On Demand Insider with Kim Commando, your fast-paced weekly update straight from Kim's desk to your ears. I'm Mike James, and coming up, we've got some questions that Kim's going to answer today, including one from Luis Mitsakis, who shares her story. She's a staff writer at Wired Magazine, and she covers online culture, Amazon, and China. She has been confused now with Mackenzie Bezos, who's the ex-wife of Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, who's worth like $36 billion. Luis has some good stories, and we'll hear those in just a few moments. Also, we're going to hear from Ite Mayor. Uh, He is the chief security officer at Insights. He's got a lot of information about the statistics on COVID-19 and some of the scams that have arrived from COVID-19. That in just a few. Also, later on, Eric Schumacher is health and science editor reporter at ABC News, explaining the process of contact tracing. What is it? How does that exactly work? And if you've ever wondered about the best voice recognition software for writing a book or an email or whatever you're doing, Kim has that answer for you and a whole lot more coming up. And by the way, This is not the nationally syndicated Kim Commando show on over 400 radio stations nationwide and worldwide on American Forces Radio. Uh, Every ship at sea gets the Kim Commando show. The podcast version of the show is available at GetKim.com. Right now, you'll get a 30-day free trial if you use promo code Kim. So again, go to GetKim.com. Get on the Commando community so you can listen to the podcast and much more. Just use promo code Kim for your free 30-day trial. Okay, we're going to get started in just a few moments with a lady that's been mistaken as a billionaire on Commando On Demand Insider. Have you ever, like, said, you know, I wonder what I could find about myself? Okay, I'm sure you had your name, your address, and links to your LinkedIn and your social media accounts. Now, what if you looked up someone famous, okay, someone who was in the news? And what if when you looked that person up, you saw their name, their email address, and their phone number? And what if that person was the ex-wife of Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos? It's been news all over that Mackenzie Bezos is somebody that you might want to know. She's worth some $36 billion. And Luis Misakis is a staff writer for Wired Magazine. And when I read her story, I just knew that we would all want to learn more about her case of mistaken identity. Luis, thank you so much for being here. I loved your article in Wired. Um, What did you think when people all over the globe just started reaching out to you thinking you were like the divorced billionaire. Hey, Kim, thanks for having me. Um, so at, at first, I had no idea what was going on. I thought that there was some sort of confusion about, um, you know, maybe they thought that I was in contact with her because they misread an article I'd written or, or something. I was pretty polite at first. I was like, oh, you know, what a mess up. I had no idea that there were wired readers in, in Bangladesh, in, uh, <laughs> in, you know, parts and all over Europe, I was like, well, you know, my work is really reaching all these people, but they seem really confused when they're emailing me. Um, And then slowly the emails became more explicit. And, you know, there were some people who literally would just email me a link to their PayPal account and no more information. Um, Oh my gosh, you're kidding. No, no. Yeah. Not kidding at all. Um, And it ebbs and it flows. Like for sometimes I get, you know, 10 messages a day. Sometimes I get phone calls in the middle of the night and then sometimes I don't hear anything for a while. Um, But it's definitely been a really strange experience. Um, I I think it's 
a kind of a window into what it's like to be that wealthy because you know people are just constantly so what, asking you for what stuff. kind of we stuff what kind of stuff have you been requested of like what are they asking for uh so sometimes they're asking for money uh sometimes they have uh proposals or ideas a lot of people have told me really long-winded stories about their startup ideas some medical cures they believe that if they just had five million dollars they could definitely develop uh, recently, the request kind of taken a, an apocalyptic turn as a result of the pandemic. Um, I had a very polite man, I will say, um, in the UK recently asked for $2 million to build an underground bunker for his close friends and family. That's nice. uh, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah, he, he patiently explained why he need the money, needed the money, and I appreciated that. Um, you know, a lot of the messages are definitely really sad and I think are from people who are in really dire straits. Um, and, and those can be hard to read sometimes, but uh, but a lot of them are kind of funny or, or, or strange. Um, and I think it really speaks to the power of Google. If Google tells you this is Mackenzie Bezos' email address, even if, you know, it doesn't seem to be, you know, they take that for granted and they, they you know, and see, and that's an interesting point, because what happened was, from what I understand, Luis, when I read your article, is that that your contact information was embedded in the article, but when Google scraped the article, they grabbed that? Is that what happened? Yeah. So a couple of years ago, Google started doing this thing where they would directly answer your question and no need to click on a third-party website. So we've all seen this. You know, you Google a restaurant in your neighborhood and a phone number and a website for the restaurant pops up, right? And it's on Google itself. Um, and Google will do that, you know, if you if you Google you know, the local restaurant's phone number, they'll try and just give you the phone number right away. So because I had written an article about Mackenzie Bezos when she got divorced from Jeff, and it had a phone number in it, which was my phone number intended for readers to contact me to give feedback about my articles, Google just said, Mackenzie Bezos, here's what we think is a phone number. It's a match. And then you get to go to the finish line. Um, How do you fix this? Is there any way to tell Google to stop, like, this is not the right answer? Have you tried that? Yeah. So I approached Google a couple of times, and they were reluctant to answer me until I told them that I was writing about it. Um, I would say that, in general, Google is really sensitive about changing its search algorithms. You know, they control so much of how the world finds information that they're very um, sensitive about tweaking them for anybody who asks. So what Google told me was, we're trying to fix this. It's a systemic problem. It's not just you. However, you know, we just suggest that you take your contact information off the article. We can't really do anything. That was kind of a bummer. Um, but, you know, I've kind of gotten used <laughs> to my identity as Mackenzie. So it's not as, um, <laughs> it's not as bothersome anymore. Um, and I've just decided to leave the contact info for now. If I keep getting too many calls in the middle of the night, I would probably take it off. Um, but it is kind of just a strange quirk in my online experience. And for the most part, I've kind of enjoyed it, even though there are times when it's sad or strange. You know what? I could totally see like a website where you just say, okay, here's the latest from somebody who thinks that I'm Mackenzie Bezos and I'm not. Louise, thank you so much for giving us some insider details about how these things can easily happen even to Google's great big computers. Really, really appreciate you being here. All right, back to the phones we go with Itai Mayor. And Itai is the chief security officer at Insights. And 
It's no great secret that scams have increased anywhere from 5,000 to 20,000%, depending upon who you believe. And I don't know if you know about this, that there's something called software as a service. And I don't know if you remember, but there was a time many, many moons ago when you'd go to a software store and you would get a box and there would be a disc and there'd be a manual on the inside. And then you'd take it home and you'd install it on your computer. And now you just go on to Office 365, Salesforce or wherever, and you use it online. And that's called software as a service. When I read about something called ransomware as a service, that's when I knew that I needed to get our good friend Itai Mayor on the line to tell us exactly what's going on with ransomware as a service. How does it work? Itai, thank you so much for joining us. Is it as easy signing up as, say, for like a Google account? Yeah, thank you for having me again, uh, Kim. It, it is pretty easy. I mean, once you get to one of these underground uh, forums, uh, it's a matter of advertisement. And if you see something that you like, it's simply contacting the seller and then acquiring the software and the service. Actually, it's, it's more a service than it is uh, a software in many cases. So we see this collaboration between uh, different uh, hacking groups. And so, so it just it just astounds me that you could go on to a place on the dark web and say, I'd like to target, what, a million people with this type of campaign. How much does something like that cost? Well, the cost really varies on, on the types of the services. So we see different types of offerings. For example, um, you'll see people say, okay, I have uh, 10,000 computers infected in California, or I have several hospitals uh, infected uh, all over the U.S. Who wants to buy access into them? And then they do what we call uh, paper infection. So you can put whatever it is. It can be ransomware. It can be a Trojan. It can be any kinds of viruses on this. Um, on the other side, uh, you can see sometimes ransomware groups who go and look for these uh, uh, infected computers to just deploy their specific ransomware. And again, there are many kinds of businesses here. Some of them are for rent. Some of them uh, you buy, and some of them you just split whatever you make out of the uh, ransomware attacks. So, folks, if you're wondering why ransomware is on the increase, <laughs> just know this is why, because it's so easy. Itai, do you need like a, a programming background in order to suddenly become this person that starts going after ransomware victims? Um, unfortunately, no. Uh, it has become so easy. You know, if you look about 10 years back, uh, there was the, the big revolution in the criminal underground where we moved to uh, what we called fraud as a service and then everything as a service. Uh, today, you can go as an almost uh, untechnical, uh, un, un, with no knowledge uh, uh, person to one of these forums, and you can just buy the different elements. You can buy a service that will help you spam. You can buy from uh, another group the piece of ransomware. You can buy infected computers. It's, it's actually that easy, and it's actually interesting. I'm looking right now in, uh, on my computer in one of these forums uh, where somebody said, hey, I need, I need help with ransom. I've infected all kinds of entities around the world, actually, and I need help with putting ransom on, on them and collecting the money. And what's interesting, he ends this pretty long section by saying, before you talk about ethics, I'm not using ransomware on individual people. I'm targeting large companies and government agencies. So that's kind of his excuse, like, um, don't talk to me about ethics. I'm not doing this to private people. I'm doing this to the government or to Yes. So all of a sudden, that makes it okay. Um, so, 
always have a backup, folks. Okay, make sure that your systems are updated. Make sure you have two-factor authentication. And Itai, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate you spending a few moments with us to make us all more aware about the important need to protect ourselves online. Hey, don't forget, if you've got a question about something digital, you can get Kim's unbiased advice. And it's advice that you can trust. America's digital pro, Kim Commando, and our nationally syndicated radio show. You just go to commander.com, and in the upper right-hand corner, click on the Be a Caller button. We're going to ask you your name and for a couple of details about your question. And then Manny will get in touch with you. We'll set up a time where you can be on the show, ask your question on the show. It is fun. You can call your friends and let them know that you're going to be on the show. And that's, again, the Be a Caller button in the upper right at commando.com. Just ahead, Erin Schumacher is the health and science editor and reporter at ABC News. She's going to explain the process of contact tracing, how it works, and it actually could be a job opportunity. That's next on Commando On Demand Insider. All right. As many states are reopening and hoping to get their economies back on track, there's news that a second wave of COVID-19 infections are going to hit in the fall. I know it's not happy. Um, It's been estimated that here in the U.S., we need at least 100,000 workers trained in something called contact tracing at a bare minimum. And we have Apple and Google working on a tech form of contact tracing, but there's a human element too. I mean, people in the field collecting information and contact tracing is the process where people who may have been in contact with an infected person in hopes of telling those others to self-quarantine for 14 days. And joining us is Aaron Shoemaker, health and science editor reporter over at ABC News, who actually took some COVID or some contact tracing, some contact tracer training, pardon me. Aaron, thank you so much for joining us. But let me ask you, what surprised you the most about the training? I'm a health reporter. I've been reporting on COVID-19 since back in January, and I still was surprised by how much I got out of this. Um, For starters, just being able to sort of count on a calendar and see sort of a better, get a better picture of how long people are infected with COVID-19 and when they might um, be safe to come back out in the world. I feel like I have a better perspective on that. Um, And then just in terms of supporting my family and friends, should they contact the disease, I feel better positioned to do that too. So how long is the training? They advertise the course, which is through Johns Hopkins University uh, at five to six hours of online training. It's totally free. Um, it took me longer than that, but I'm a little bit of a perfectionist about things like this. And I knew my boss would see my score. So <laughs> we need to get a hundred percent here. Okay. Just letting you know. Okay. Um, I mean, just and, shy of that. But. So the so so the contact. What do they walk you through exactly? Like signs to look for. Walk us through a little bit of the training. Sure. So it's broken out into a bunch of different modules with meetings and quizzes and a lot of videos. And it goes through some of the history um, and basics about the virus that causes COVID nineteen, and then yeah, some of the signs and symptoms of COVID nineteen. Then the basics of works. Um, and there's some bits about uh, ethics, like privacy is such a big component of contact tracing um, and communication skills. Like you want people you are calling to be candid with you. Um, 
and give you accurate and complete information and building a rapport with them helps to do that. And so how do the contact tracers contact us? I mean, is it through phone, email, text? And I mean, I'm just thinking like, if I don't see a number, I'm not going to answer it. Totally. I mean, it's through phone. Um, and I, I hear you, like a lot of the comments on my stories are, I'll, you know, I'll never pick up a call from an unknown number. Uh, some health departments are trying to uh, get around that. I know the Massachusetts Public Health Department wanted to make sure that on caller IDs, it would show up as Massachusetts Public Health Department is calling you. But I think sort of all Americans these days might want to be aware that if they get a call from an unknown number, there's a chance it could be a contact tracer trying to reach them. So as somebody who's been in the trenches, as you said, since January, even before most of us were like, we didn't even know what the coronavirus was, right? And you've been reporting on this nonstop, um, health and science reporter, editor at ABC News. Do you think the contact tracing program will work? I mean, it depends on participation, right? The more people who opt in, who pick up their phones, who give accurate and complete information to the contact tracers, the better it will work. Um, but even if not everyone does so, a little bit still helps. The goal isn't really perfection. It's even just stop. I say this over and over again in the course, but even just stopping one onward transmission makes such a big difference in terms of slowing the spread of the disease. Uh, do you have any idea how much contact tracers make and who hires them? Sure. So it's often through public health departments, although it sort of varies from place to place. And the salaries really depend on where you live and who's doing the hiring. In New York City, uh, the job listing for contact tracers lists a salary at $57,000 a year. In Massachusetts, I've seen listings for $27 an hour. uh, And in St. Louis, I've seen listings for $15 an hour. Um, Erin, you know, great facts that you just passed along. And thank you for shedding some light on this very, very important topic. And I'll tell you, folks, if if you haven't read Erin's report over at abcnews.com, it's very telling and it's excellent. Um, We're going to put a link to it over at commando.com, of course. And just to hit that, go to commando.com and you want to hit you want to hit the link that says uh, Kim show. Jimmy in Athens, Georgia. Hi there, Jimmy. Hello there. Welcome. What's going on? Well, I've got a question about speech recognition software, and I figured I'd just uh, take it to the top and see what uh, Kim Commando Show had to say to help me find a piece of software that will understand the way I speak with my southern accent. I'm going to be working on a book that I'm going to be in a project with, so I want to tell the story in my own words, and a book is somewhere between sixty and 70,000 words. So as we go through that, I want to tell it in my own words, but turn it over to somebody else who can have a written text, if you would, that would be sure. reasonably understandable and try to knock this collaboration out as quick as possible. Well, I, I didn't notice an accent, Jimmy. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Well, let me tell you, I normally, you know, as a regular listener, you know, I like to give at least three suggestions, right? But uh, there's really only one terrific product that I would recommend for you, and it's called Dragon Home. 
And what's nice is that you're going to train the software for your dialect, okay? And you're, it's going to ask you to say certain phrases, uh, some paragraphs, and then some words. And it's going to take like 15, 20 minutes for you to train the software for your particular mode of speech. And then once it does, they say that it's like 99% recognition. So you're going to be totally good to go with this. Um, it's about... It's about $150. They have a $300 version, but it's not really necessary. So it's Dragon Home, $150. And they have a legal version, too, for anybody who's listening in the legal field. And we'll put a link to it over at Kim's show on the website. That's commando.com and hit the link that says Kim's show. If you love the digital lifestyle and love keeping up with all the breaking tech news and security alerts and data breaches so you can tell your friends and family kind of what's going on and what to watch out for, we've got you covered with the Commando newsletters. They keep you right up to date, and you can get yours at commando.com, which is K-O-M-A-N-D-O. And on the top, click on the Get the Newsletter button, and it's a double opt-in. So we'll send you an email to make sure that you want the newsletters, and then you've got them. We've got also specialty newsletters about Apple and Android Many, many others, including The Current, which is just what it says. It keeps you up to date on what's going on, and there is no advertising in The Current. It is read it just as you get it. And again, that's at commando.com, K-O-M-A-N-D-O.com. Try it out and see if you like it. We believe you will. It's at commando.com, K-O-M-A-N-D-O, and thank you. Just ahead, we've got David, and he wants to know if there's a way to set up a PC to automatically record a broadcast webinar that you cannot be able to view or participate on the time that it's actually live. Kim has that answer and much more coming up on Commando On Demand Insider. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Jeff in Missouri. Hi there, Jeff. Hi, Kim. I've been dying to talk to you. Uh, I, and I have um, a couple of questions I wanted to ask you. I wanted to start up a, a podcast or, you know, or a, what they call a video cast maybe, but I'm not sure how to do that. And so what's your bright idea? How are you, you going to change up the world, Jeff? Well, I want to capture what's happening to America on a, like a daily basis, but I want to put some humor into it. And I don't want to be so serious that you can't laugh. I, I get, you got, I mean, I'm one of those people, I like to smile and laugh every day if I can, you know, and, and there hasn't been a day that I haven't been able to do that yet. But um, I don't know what type of, you know, equipment to buy, uh, what I need, you know, and how I've pet the patent the the show's name or the email address or the do- anything oh, about okay. the domain. Right, so, you, so we're starting from the very beginning. Okay. Oh yeah. I'm a real right. Okay. All right. So let's, let's talk numbers. Okay. Um, right now there are, I don't know. I think that last time I heard there is, there are 1.2 million podcasts. Okay. And 
there's about 200 of them that actually are making money. Um, I mean, 200,000 rather. Uh, so 200,000 out of 1.2 million. And that's because people, people start a podcast, Jeff, and then they burn out because this is something that's a commitment. You have to do this every week. Trust me, there are some weeks I don't want to do one, but you have to do it because people get used to it, okay? And so you, so you start formulating your idea. Podcast length should be anywhere between 20 minutes and 40 minutes. After that, people die down, okay, because they don't have the attention span. And so when you start looking at the equipment and uh, certain things that you need, I mean, obviously you need uh, you know, a decent computer, a decent microphone maybe a pop filter and a windscreen, headphones, an amplifier, mic stands, you know, cameras and things like that. Uh, And then you put your podcast out there, use a service like Libsyn. uh, That's who we use. And they put your podcast on every platform. Um, So automatically you'll be on Apple and Google Music and Spotify and Pandora and, you know, the list goes on and on, right? Stitcher. Okay, so now you have to start building up your audience. If you build it, they don't come, okay? <laughs> it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of marketing. And then after you get, you need to have like, um, like say, uh, a good number is like a million downloads a month. Then you can start making some serious money. And how you make money is on a cost per thousand. So it could be anywhere between $5 to $25 for every thousand listens, you're going to make five to $25 for every commercial. Okay. So what I just gave you is like podcasting in 60 seconds or less. Okay. So, so, so now it's like, okay, so how do I start? Okay. You can start by getting an audience and start developing an audience just because you have podcasts doesn't mean they're going to find you. So you need to start having an audience first. Okay. And so maybe what it is that you start a Facebook group and with that Facebook group, you say, okay, here's 60 seconds of what's going on in America right now. And I'm going to make you smile at the end. Just what you said to me. I think it's fabulous. You can also do that on YouTube and you can get started for free. And the beautiful thing about YouTube is that it doesn't cost you anything, right? Uh, And you don't need to have a whiz-bang setup. It needs to look decent, of course, but it doesn't need to be broadcast ready. And so you start developing a following and with a website and with a blog and on Twitter and on Facebook, on Pinterest, wherever you can put your social media flag. Because what I don't want you to do, and trust me because I've seen too many people do this, is they go, all into podcasting. And then once they get into podcasting, they realize that it's a lot harder than they thought. And then they fail. I don't want you to fail. I want you to start small. I want you to start with a simple YouTube channel, work out the kinks, start getting followers. And we've got some tips on the website to get you started on that. Take a look at them. If you have any questions after that, I'm totally here for you. I want you to be successful, Jeff, and I'm going to help you get there. And thank you so much for your call. Michael, in Goodyear, Arizona. Hi there, Michael. Hi, how are you? Good. What's going on? Uh, I'm calling about a problem that I'm hoping you can help me with. I have a freezer in my garage that um, I want to make sure that I'm always getting power to. And it's plugged into these uh, plugs that... um, are uh, what do you call them? I have smart plugs, but the 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 regular outlet is actually a GF fault. 
outlet. So the power can go out on the outlet even though the power is on in the house. Oh, so okay. in order, so I can't, I, I could be sitting in my house and the power is off on those outlets and I don't know it. So I put the plug on there and these particular plugs uh, uh, allow me to, it, it sends a message if it goes offline and offline means it's no longer connected to the internet. Um, and that could happen one of two ways. One, it loses internet connection, but the other way is it loses power. So if it doesn't see a connection, either of those two ways, it'll do it. But it only does it after a half hour of the plug being offline. <laughs> and it doesn't do it again. No, that's not going to work. That's not going to yeah, that's not going to work in Arizona, will it? I mean, it's like, yeah. and that's not going to happen. Well, let's talk about some. Let's let's talk about some alternatives, okay? Um, you know, there's there's always the which it's not going to work, but it just reminds me of that the the old life hack that you know, freezing a cup of water and placing a penny on top. It it actually acts as a really tre- cheap sensor for power outages because if the water remains frozen. The penny's going to stay on top of the ice, but that's not going to work for you. So what I would say is let's let's forget about the smart plug altogether, Michael, uh, because because there are better alternatives for you that are more reliable, especially because you have that GFI tied to it. Okay, the uh, there's uh, what I'm thinking is that you get a smart sensor. And you put a sensor inside the freezer to monitor the temperature of the freezer. All right. Because instead of monitoring the power outlet, I assume that you got like what meat and a lot of stuff in this freezer. Okay. So you got, you got some money invested in the freezer. So, you know, we, instead of just worrying about the power, because let's, let's say the power is still going, but the freezer breaks. Well, that's not going to do you a lot of good. Right. So what what I'd like to see you put a sensor inside the freezer itself that works on an app on your phone, on your uh, iPhone or on your Android, whatever you have, and it will give you alerts if the freezer go, goes below a certain temperature, okay? Make sense? Okay. Now, the company that makes such a product is called Sensor Push. It's S-E-N-S-O-R, Sensor Push. Uh, it's a thermom- thermometer, hydrometer, um, does humidity and temperatures. It gives you alerts. It's 50 bucks. Okay. So uh, I'm going to put you on hold. Manny's going to give you uh, a link out to the product. So this way you can look at it. But again, we're going to put a sensor inside the freezer because, you know, I've had freezers in the garage here in Arizona and, you know, they... You like to say that they would last, but they it's so hard because the heat is so difficult on all these machines and the electronics. And so that's why I suggested you put a sensor because it happened to me. I had a freezer. Of course, I was monitoring the power, well, like I was being smart. But yeah, it was given power, but the freezer died. And I didn't know until I had to throw everything away on the inside, which was just crazy. Uh, Carol in Bayside, New York. Hi there, Carol. Glad to have you on board with us. Hi, Kim. Very interesting show today. Isn't it, though? Oh, my gosh. Isn't it? Well, you're a Kim's Club member, and I know you from because you're in the chat room. Now, you had, didn't you have COVID? On a scale of one, I was that? How about bad? maybe a six or a seven. 
Oh, because you you got wiped out for a little bit, didn't you? Oh yeah, I missed two whole weeks of the show because I just couldn't. I didn't even know what day of the week it was, <laughs> but I didn't really? have to go to the hospital, well, so that was a plus. What was the? What but was I have the I have my appointment now for my plasma donation in two weeks, so uh, I'm all set. No, well that's fantastic. What what was the worst part of it, Carol? Oh gosh, uh, well the best part was I lost twenty pounds, but I put fifteen of it back on. The worst part I'd have to say was the fever, and your loss of taste and smell. I think it actually altered the taste, so I could barely get through a half a can of soup, and I did. I threw stuff away because I thought it had gone bad on me, and I don't know how a can of soup could go bad, but. I, I threw away some foods because I thought they had gone bad. And it was just, um, you know, you lose all track of time. I didn't see the show for two weeks because I didn't know what day of the week it was, really. It wasn't, mm. I wasn't hallucinating or anything like that, like some people say they had been. But uh, it was still, uh, it, it's, I've had flus in the past, but it, this is totally indescribable. And no two people have it the same way. Well, I'm glad that you're back in action. And what was interesting is that, you know, everybody in the chat room was like, where's Carol? Where's Carol? Where's Carol? <laughs> I just, it's like, but I just think it's so cool that we have this community of like, wait, she's not here. Where is she? Where'd she go? So Gary what, me because he was worried about me. I thought that was so sweet. Yeah. He's, you know what? Gary's a good man. He is. Yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. Um, well, everybody's great. So, uh, so how can I help you, Carol? Okay, well, um, the question is PayPal, and to make it a quick question, why? Why does this thing even exist? <laughs> why do I need PayPal? I'm, yeah, so, well, I don't so, think you need it, but uh, whatever. Well, here, here's the deal, is that, um, you know, PayPal arrives because of eBay, uh, because oh. you normally don't have any shop guarantees, right? Oh, okay. So if you're selling things on a personal or business level and you're paid through PayPal, you can have some protections. Uh, like if you can provide proof that you sent something out and the buyer claims not to receive it, you get to keep the full payment. Okay. Um, another reason why people like PayPal is that when they go to buy something, they don't have to, you know, log in with their credit card, right? You can just log in with your PayPal account because they have your credit card details and everything all saved, including the CCV number each time you buy something. So it becomes a little bit, it becomes a little bit easier, but I think that's changing now because uh, if you're on Apple products, they say, you know, do you want to use Apple pay? And then you just hit Apple pay and everything's all filled in nice and breezy for you. Um, I have never really been a big PayPal fan, Carol. Um, you know, I've never really been on it. All of a sudden a donation that I do became a PayPal donation and that's my entry into the PayPal world. And, uh, it just, uh, I, I don't know how I did it. <laughs> yeah. Well, somehow you, you paid through PayPal and you, and then now oh, yeah. all of a sudden you have this account and, uh, I, you know, I like knowing that if I have trouble with something that I buy online, I just feel like I have more leverage. You know, I don't know if it's true or not, but I just feel like I have more leverage if I can call American express instead of using PayPal. Now, uh, I will tell you that my husband, Barry, has had a horrible experience recently with PayPal that oh. he he probably if he probably checked the wrong box, but somehow he ended up with a PayPal credit card. OK. Oh. And so what he was buying on PayPal that he thought he was putting on his visa was being put on a PayPal credit card. And 
it uh and then he's you know he says he wasn't getting bills for it he doesn't know what happened to it um he tried to pay it you have to send him a check in order to pay off the paypal credit card anyway the bottom line is that we didn't even realize any of this was going on until we applied for a mortgage on a house and my credit score was like over 800 and his was 600 and it's like dude what is wrong with you right uh, and it was tied to this PayPal account. So because I, I have seen him frustrated with trying to get a response from PayPal, um, is that I would never have a PayPal account. Never. And they also keep record of multi cards. If you, uh, if, you know, if you change a card or something, I, I went to look for something and, uh, you know, you, there's the ability to put in multi cards and I guess some people could really get zonked. Yeah, you can. And you know what? And it's just a matter. I mean, I don't know about you, Carol, but I use one credit card for all my internet purchases. And this way I can totally keep track of it. And then I have everything that comes in and uh, goes into a certain folder, my online, because this way you can keep track of it. And I'm also a stickler for details and data. So, you know, I'm on my credit card. I get alerts every time it's used. And, you know, so I have my own system and it doesn't include PayPal, but um, thanks for calling. And I'm so glad that you're back in action because we missed you. Oh, thanks a lot. Okay, Carol, you take care and we'll see you in the chat room. And I see, this is one of the great things about the commando community is that you know, it truly is a great community. Like, you know, Carol, she's fabulous. And she's chatting with my mom sometimes and, and, and it's just, it's just really very, very, very special. Some really great folks in there. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. You get these podcasts delivered to your device automatically every time. To do that, just go to your favorite podcast player, Android or Apple, and search for K-O-M-A-N-D-O. Once you find us, there's the Commando on Demand podcast, and then don't forget the Consumer Tech Update podcast, which is where you get all the latest news every Monday through Friday. And we thank you again. We'll see you next time on Commando on Demand. Voice calls have been falling out of favor for years, but with the pandemic, they're back. If you listen to the tech reporters, you'd think that Zoom, Skype, and video calls had totally taken over. But just the opposite's true. Yes, video calls are up, but voice calls have gone through the roof. America's telecom providers were braced and ready for heavy home internet use, but they never expected an even greater surge in plain old voice calls. People are talking more often and calls are longer. Verizon alone is handling an average of 800 million calls a day, more than double those made on Mother's Day, the busiest call day of the year. But internet traffic is up only 20% from before COVID-19. So for now, forget texting. An old friend is having its day once more as people reach out and touch someone by voice alone. I'm Kim Commando. Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.